All right. What's up, man? How's everything? Ah, it's going. Just taking it day by day, ready to jump back into the season, you know? Oh, I heard that. I heard that. You get, you, uh, you got, well, before we get into that fun stuff, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, what you drive, and where you drive. So, my name is Tyler Berry. Uh, I drive a LS-powered E36 um, from Knoxville, Tennessee, so um, we'll be driving probably local here uh, this year for 2022, so we'll be doing a Pro-Am series that's local to us, and then there's a new payout series that has not been fully released yet, um, but will be pretty close to us as well. Um, last year, we did a full season of Clutch Kickers, uh, just because that was really the only competition series that we could get into, but uh, this year, we're going to try and keep it local to uh-huh. uh, the Tennessee region. Nice. What uh, What'd your first round start? Uh, they actually have not released a full schedule yet, so we should have the Pro-Am schedule by end of this month. Um, but if it's anything like it was in 2019, we will probably have a first round in April or May. So, <clears throat> And then uh, the payout series, they haven't really got that schedule completely nailed down because they're waiting on all of the other big series to come out with their schedules so that they can pin down their actual dates. So as of now, we're just waiting, <laughs> but we'll be ready when they start up. So, uh, would, did you do any off season rebuilding or uh, anything like that to try to get ready for next year? Or you just kind of like, um, fix so we, we kind of ended the year off on a good note. Um, uh-huh the only things that we're going to be doing, which some of it's already been done. Um, some of it we are in the process of doing, um, we're just kind of rebuild our angle kit. Uh, we're going to send it to SLR, have them go through it and, uh, redo the whole thing, repowder coat it, fix all the Himes, um, just kind of revamp it, um, update it where it needs to update it. And cause I've had the same kit for like four years and, it's worked perfect never had anything break and now it's just time for a refresh so um, that's number one on our list um, we're working with holly they're sending us some parts uh, to be updating updating the uh, engine bay and uh, also add a little bit more performance to under the hood um, so it's not necessarily needed but something that we wanted to do and uh, we're obviously appreciative of Holly wanting to give us some products to try out. So nice. we've got that. Um, we've got some new sponsors um, or at least one that I can think of that is new um, that we can't release it yet, but um, we will, we are awaiting products from them. Um, we should be getting that order placed probably within the next week or two and then uh, waiting on it to come to us. And then, um, like I said, the the program was right where we needed it when the season ended. So um, we're just going to change the oil in the engine, change trans fluid, diff fluid. Uh, a couple body panels need replaced, mm-hmm. and um, we're ready to go, man. How much how much power is your car making, or how much was it making last year? <clears throat> so we ended up. Let's see. So 
at the end of the year, we ended up with an E90 Ignite tune. And after we did that, it was a little over 500 at the wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, NA 6 liter LQ9. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's decent yeah. power, I guess. Oh, what, <laughs> what heads are you running? I'm asking out of curiosity because I have a 6 liter uh, I'm just too. running the factory 317 heads. Oh, shit, um, really? And you're making over 500 horsepower? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a stock bottom end 6 liter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just put a cam. Um, and then um, it's a Texas Speed Tsunami V2 cam. And oh. then the heads, all we did was dual valve springs, titanium retainers, um, and it's really about it. Is that a square port or a Obviously, cathedral head? Push rods and uh, it's a cathedral port. Hmm. I'm so curious. I need to go oh. get mine dyno now. Because I have 243s. With the numbers. What's that? I said, yeah, I was very impressed with those numbers as well. Um, for a uh, Basically, stock engine. Wait, wait, what head did you say they were again? The what? They're the 317, so they're the stock truck heads. Holy shit. Okay. Well, that Supposedly, is... those heads are really good for boost, uh, I guess, because of the chambers. Uh, they're one of the bigger chambers that uh-huh. was off of the factory, but we are not boosted. So, I actually, when I was building the motor, uh-huh. I was going to swap heads, um, but budget was not going to let me do that so we just decided to run with those um we were going to have them ported and polished uh, from a local company and time kind of got away with us got away from us so we ended up not doing that but uh overall i'm still pretty happy um i was told when i was building this motor that it wouldn't make over 400 wheel and off the rip on 93 octane we we made uh, 4.30. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're yeah. doing just fine. Yeah. I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and then I've heard of... Well, everyone kind of has, like... I don't know, every engine's different. I've noticed that... I've seen some people, like, build, like, a similar setup, and then they're only getting, like, 400 wheel if they're lucky. Yeah. Also, it depends it's on the, the chassis and what's behind it. The engine. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was gonna be happy with anything over four hundred, um, because so many people had told me that four hundred was gonna be about where I was gonna be with a cam. Mm-hmm. But um after we overshot the four hundred mark I was I was happy with anything over that. I mean also I guess the Holly High Ram helps quite a bit too. Um I think that adds a little bit more top end. It does. I love that so, Oh yeah, it looks so sick sticking out of the hood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was when I started building the LS, and we started working with Holly. I was like, "All right, Steve, you you gotta, we gotta do the high ram. We just gotta do it." Mm-hmm. So yeah, it looks sick. So we've got the high ram with the 105 throttle body. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have went with that yeah. one. I went with a 92, and I kind of regret it. I honestly, when I purchased mine, I was like, maybe I just went overboard. But I was like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it big. I mean, it's all, I was just, I was mainly trying to future proof the car. So if I did decide to go with a, like a Vortex supercharger or 
uh, turbo setup in the future, I have the biggest, baddest parts already on the car. So that was really my main deal there with going with that. Mm. Uh, what are you doing for trans and the rear end on the car? Have you last we spoke, I think you were on a CD09 and a stock rear. Uh, so we are on the stock rear end. Um, it's just a built LSD. Um, and then the trans were actually using the factory BMW ZF trans oh, okay. with a and that's PMC that adapter way. from trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, when we started building it, we were, we kind of started the build and we're on a pretty tight budget. Um, obviously we were working with our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, Drift HQ helped us out quite a bit with the swap um, as far as making things work together. Uh, they sent us that PMC adapter kit, which I guess was kind of fairly new at the time, um, but it allowed us to maintain or keep our ZF trans so we didn't have to go and buy a T56. Yeah. Uh, or a dog. And I, I, honestly, the only thing that we had to change in order to make like the, the trans only moved back like two inches from the engine swap. Mm-hmm. So to keep the shifter in the same spot, all we had to do was cut the shift linkage, like cut like an inch and a half, two inches off of it, and then have the drive shaft cut just a tad, and then everything worked. So that's not it bad. was actually kind of painless. I thought we were going to put everything together, and it was just going to be a crapshoot, but I think we got really lucky. I mean – Obviously, I, I did a lot of research before I started doing all this mm-hmm. swap thing because I think last time we talked, I was on the turbo motor, um, the M52 stroker. I barely remember the the stroker, but I do remember watching you go LS too. So, or watching you do the LS thing. Yeah, that was kind of a. I used to absolutely hate on LS cars just because I was like, those are just cheater cars. They they put their foot in it and it's there. You need to drive the car. And then like I drove one. Actually, I drove two of them mm-hmm. at the end of my pro am season in 2019. And I was like, I can get down with this. This is pretty cool. I like this. And then we started having issues out of the turbo uh, BMW engine. Couldn't find parts at the track. Um, talking to people about it, what they thought might be the issue, nobody knew because hardly anybody runs those engines. And uh, you look around the field, I mean, uh, six out of ten people are running LS engines, and then yep. the rest are Jay-Z. So if you need a part for an LS engine, most likely they're going to have it, or you can go to O'Reilly's, or you can go directly over to the Drift HQ trailer if you're at Clutch Kickers, and they'll sell you just about anything for that engine. So I had to do it. So that was one of the big reasons why we swapped, was not only for the bald eagles but for reliability and simplicity and it's actually cheap to maintain comparative to the bmw engine and have you had any failures or anything like that or is it just no issues thus far with a good team knock on wood the only issues we had this year um we went through two transmissions um i think one of them was just because we had been beaten on that ZF for, I don't know, three years. And um, when we put the LS in the car and mated the trans up, there's like a special 
with that PMC adapter kit, there's a special flywheel deal that they send you. And you're basically using like an E46, 323 or 325 clutch. Mm-hmm. And nothing, it never really felt right. Um, the clutch pedal, it felt like sometimes it was, you were pushing the clutch all the way in, but whenever you were pushing the clutch in and you went to go into gear, it would lunge forward almost like you weren't pushing the clutch all the way to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it kind of came and went. So I think we wore the synchros out in that trance and, um, in the end just kind of exploded it. Um, and then the second one, I believe it only exploded on us because the diff locked up. Um, we blew up a diff and, the only, I mean, I think it locked the diff up and the next weak link was the trans. So it snapped the gears on the trans. But, um, other than those two things, uh, the trans, the only other things we had go wrong were an idle air control valve and an O2 sensor. Hmm. Knock on wood. Uh, I, yeah, I have, I think the only thing I've ever broken was like an alternator. And a coil pack took a shit on me once. Outside of that, I never had like a real like, engine problem. Yeah, and like uh, these coils were off of this truck engine when I bought it, the, the ones that we were using this past year, and I was ready for one of them to go out. Like I bought a spare set of coils, and those old junkyard coils never went out. And I was also very scared of, I've heard of a lot of LS guys having alternator problems. And I, like I said, knock on wood, did not have those problems. So I'm not sure if I'm doing something different and it's maybe, or maybe it just hasn't happened yet and it's just bound to happen, but I haven't had any issues. What, what crank are you, I'm sorry, not what crank, uh, what crank pulley are you running? Are you running it's a soft ATI. one? So you are running in the no. underdrive pulley, right? Um, yeah. Ten percent or twenty-five? Well, actually, that I don't think it's don't doesn't eight isn't one of the ATI options. It's not underdrive. Uh, it's just do like not know. I personally don't have one. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at my my order, but we'll go with this. I don't remember it being an underdrive, but then again. I literally got on the internet and scoured and found the most popular one and bought it. Yeah, it's so the... Maybe it is. Well, no, even if it, it, whether it is or it isn't, I was just curious because um, I noticed that like uh, a lot of people throw, whether it's like power steering pumps or um, alternators, uh, never seen really anybody throw a water pump per se i mean they do go out but i've never seen one go yeah. out from like uh wear and like excessive wear and tear like since we're revving the engine so high and so often um i've never seen that but i've seen quite a few power sink pumps go out so i was kind of curious as to like i wonder if the fact that if you run the underdrive pulley since you're slowing that pulley down a little bit i wonder if that kind of helps it last a little bit longer since it's not spinning as fast. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't. I was. Uh, we didn't have any issues with power string pump either. Yeah, that's what that I'm was, saying. Like, a lot of guys. There was a guy that hit me up on. Uh, uh, well, it was actually on YouTube. They commented on my last video and was asking 
if I was using the stock LS power steering pump because they had just created a bracket in order to use the uh, BMW power steering pump mm-hmm. because they, they had fried so many LS power steering pumps. And I told them I am still on the same one that I started with back in March. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and the water pump, um, the, we're using an electric water pump. It's the Mazir uh, electric water pump. Mm-hmm. It still looks like the factory pump or the little, like the bell, um, but it's, it's electric. Okay. And yet, are, are you a rear mount radiator or no? No, it's front mount. Oh, okay. Well, if you're not having no problems with it. Um, I mean, when we were at Clutch Pickers, mm-hmm. uh, it was, you know, 90, 100 degrees down there. I could make about two or three laps and I was seeing temps of like 220. 225 but it would never go above if it hit 225 it normally started to climb back down to 208 215 um i think the highest i ever saw do what is that just how your fans are out your fans are set up to turn up well the fans are manual um Mm -hmm. they're just i guess that was just i don't i don't know how it regulated that so so well but um, I would turn on the water pump at all times and I would turn the fans on and it would never get above. It would occasionally get like 230 if I like left the line and it was already at like 218 or 220. But um, it would it would come back down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And that was another reason why I went with the electric water pump was so that if it did do that, I can just shut the car off and keep the water pump running and the fan. So it would hopefully cool it a little quicker than if it was just a regular water pump. Mm-hmm. To answer your question about earlier, yes, they do have the standard sized uh, ATI super dampers, so they're not an underdrive cooler. Okay, so that might be the one that I got. Yeah, I was um, just curious, but I didn't know that. I learned something new. I, I remember researching it for quite a bit, trying to figure out which one I wanted to go with. Yeah. You want to make sure you get the right one. Um, but if you haven't had an issue yet, I would say do not touch it until you do. Um, the uh, the Holly stuff that you're getting this year, is that something you can talk about or not really? Um, yeah, so uh, so far, um, Holly sent us some... I wanted to go ahead and do like a remote mount uh, coil pack deal. Um, oh, I want you to. One, one reason was... I don't know if it's the same way on a lot of other swaps, but on the BMW swap, um, we've got sicky headers and the way that the driver rear, so I guess it's cylinder seven, uh-huh. uh, the way that that uh, header or the runner loops around, it puts the spark plug wire at a weird angle. Um, so it has to like loop over the loop in the manifold or the the runner so we were burning spark plug wires um it never really affected us during competition but like during practice we burnt through a couple of them um so we ended up getting a solution but it was a janky makeshift wire that we created and zip tied certain ways to keep it away from the runner but 
Um, that's one reason why we wanted to do the remote mount was so that we can get the wires away from the, the headers. So um, what Holly sent us was a couple of mounting brackets for the coil packs. They sent us some MSD coil packs, so we're not running those factory coils anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mounting those in the fender wells on the sides, and then um, they sent us the Excel 9000, the ceramic boot spark plug wires. Um, I don't know if you've seen those, but they're like that. <clears throat> they're not rubber anymore next to the the part that goes directly onto the spark plug. Yeah, I have them on my car. I know what you're talking about. Okay. The, the white yeah, ones. So, Did you get the angled ones or you get like the straight ones? So I actually got both. Um, I wasn't sure with that back one how what would be best with it. Uh-huh. I know for a fact on the rest of them, the angled ones, the like I think they're 135 degree. Um, those are going to work perfect. But I, I got 135 degree and 180 degree. Uh, I might just do a straight like 180 degree coming out of that very back one. I think it might work a little better. And then obviously we don't have to loop it around the header anymore to go to the valve cover. So I think we'll avoid burning some more spark plug wires that way. And then obviously to do that, uh, we eliminated the coil packs on top of the valve covers. So we got some new valve covers from Holly. Um, they're like the tall style valve cover and they say LSX on them. So super mint. Yes. I wanted to know if they made like one that you can put, because if you can put underneath the Holly high ram on the, um, on the Valley cover, or I wonder if that would be to get too hot there or something like that for the coil packs to hide. Well, under there, like that, that wiring harness runs under there and, it's kind of a jumbled mess. At least mine is just because of how many wires actually go under that manifold. Mm-hmm. And also I think my, uh, I've got that steam port kit that runs under there too. Oh, so I'd have right. to eliminate that. I got rid of my steam ports. Did you? Yeah. Completely? I've been running just caps on all four corners and then, uh, I just kind of like pop them throughout the day just to see if, uh, anything's, coming out and i haven't overheated the few times i drove it that way um and two of those days were in like 90 degree weather in california so it was just fine and Hmm. i was able to just do lap after lap without overheating or anything like that do they make like a speed bleeder type meal for those like where you can they do i think i i don't was it the? I don't know if it would call it a speed bleeder, but it's like a. Uh, damn it! The words on the tip of my tongue. Uh, like the same thing for a tire. What are those called? Shit. Valve stem. Yes. Or a it's a valve, valve stem style, so you would just like hit that and see if you can bleed it out real quick. No. Oh, okay. Damn, that's a good point. I should probably look into that. Um, I don't. When I started this whole thing, like I knew absolutely nothing about LSs until I decided I was going to put one in my car. And I was researching day in and day out up until everything was done. Like I was still researching stuff. So whenever somebody said to use like a steam port kit, I was like, okay, I got to buy it. Like I'm not going to risk plugging them up and something happening. And then it's my fault. And 
So I don't know. I didn't know that you were allowed to do that. Oh, I, I've, I've plugged I. the back before, but I didn't know that you could plug all four. I didn't know that either. I just did it. <laughs> I was just like, man, because I had just done the rear radiator thing. And then like my radiator doesn't really have a setup so I can plug it in. And I really didn't feel like spending a bunch of money on like one of those adapters that I would have to tee off of or something like that. Cause I'm, you know, once you get into buying another dash 16 or, or two of the, like, let's say a coupler with a T for the, um, the valve stem to go or the, the steam ports to go into, and then two dash 16 ends for the hose, mm-hmm. you're looking at like 30 bucks a piece. Actually, I think they're more, I think it's like around a hundred bucks. Um, to do it. That's why I looked into it. And then I was like, the caps were like 12 bucks. So I bought them and I was like, if it overheats, if it's $12 wasted, um, and I'll have to do the other, go the other route anyways. Um, and if not, then it's a hundred bucks saved. Yeah. They probably has a couple of different options. Mine's like the hard line mm-hmm. steam, steam port kit, but they've got a soft, like a, it's like a rubber line deal too. I think it's like 130 bucks or something like that. Um, I don't know. If yeah, because I know to sway you, but yeah, no, no, no. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's pretty much no, like I... a deal with when they need it type of problem. Yeah, yeah, which isn't necessarily the best way to go about things, but yeah. When I started, um, let's see, so. I guess my first couple of events, just to get the car on the ground and driving and everything, I was still waiting on my steam port kit to come in because this was like first year. Everybody had ordered their stuff and stuff was kind of hard to get. Yeah. And I was still waiting on my steam port kit. So a buddy of mine was actually building a 4.8 turbo car and he wasn't quite done. So he let me borrow his setup and it basically plugged the rear and then the front. Um, which I don't know, is it factory to plug the rear or is there like a tube that goes on the rear too? Depends on the car. I know like I got, like I have an old Camaro one and it has mm-hmm. all four corners going to the, um, to all four corners. And then I have the one mm-hmm. off of the Cadillac and that one just has the two in the back, back blocked off. And then obviously the two in the front together, like you were mentioning. Okay. Yeah. I think now I'm starting to remember, I think, when I bought my engine, it was cut. Like, they had cut the steam port on the back, but there was, like, a line that ran from one side to the other. And then on the front, it was one that – it ran from one side to the other, and then that side had, like, a the exit port for the, the steam to come out of. So, yeah, okay. That's what you said. Yeah. Um, so next year, what, what Pro-Am series is over there? Is, is it still East 10 or is that not a thing anymore? Yeah. So, um, it will be East 10. They kind of dropped out of it back in 2020 when COVID hit. Yeah. And, um, then in 2021, um, Louis obviously was, we were juggling the COVID stuff and then also he, had a, a baby and was trying to do some family time and stuff. So mm-hmm. we didn't have a pro-am series last year, but they did plan a, like a big shootout pro-am 
style thing. Um, it was going to be like a big purse and top three people get a license. Um, but it actually got canceled because not enough people signed up. So <clears throat> Easton pretty much did nothing last year and 2020. So kind of sucks, but that will be who at least word on the street is they are doing the Pro-Am Series this year. Sweet. Yeah, I remember they oh. had like, I, remember, I don't remember who I had on. Was it Louis? Who what? I don't remember who I had on from there. Was it Louie? I don't maybe. Well, you had me, you had Matt Mogensen, Nick Novak. Uh, no, the guy that runs the East 10. Oh, Louie? Yeah. Did I have Louis okay, I didn't remember his name. For some reason, I thought it was Richard. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember all the conversations, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I remember him, like, I remember him mentioning, like, he had, like, a trailer full that he would pull out and, like, bring you guys, like, the orange plastic K rails and stuff. Yeah, that's actually pretty. Yeah, it was case. a, it was a pretty cool series, and hopefully it'll be the same this year. I mean, yeah, it sucks that they he lost the momentum after two solid seasons, but yeah, hopefully it'll pick back up. Everybody. And well, even yeah. like even with this, like I stopped doing the podcast most of 2020, and then last year too, I didn't really do anything, mostly because like, um, like COVID kind of ruined everything for everybody. So like. You know, I wasn't sure what was going on. Like, most people didn't know what they were going to do. Like, yeah. most people didn't even realize, like, they weren't even going to drift anymore at that point. Um, yeah. You know, so it kind of ruined it for everybody. But I think it seems to be, like, getting its foot back in now. And hopefully we'll see a higher driver count soon. Because I am noticing a lower driver count for, like, a lot of the prime and, like, the shootout stuff. Um, which isn't necessarily a good thing, especially considering... Um, that there are so many drivers that want to go to FD, but not according to these shootouts, or at least the numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think uh, also a lot of these big payout events are starting to pop up everywhere, so I think that's probably going to bring some people out. Uh, I think I think that's good. I think that could be controversial for FD, um, you know, but FD still has its name. But it, it could be yeah, the push FD needs to maybe kind of look into getting that sponsored so they can have, like, a bigger payout for their drivers. Because I did kind of discuss yeah. it before, but I don't know the, the whole in and outs of it. But I think it does need to move forward that way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd, when when we first started doing the Clutch Shakers thing, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, yeah, we're doing 10000 to the winner. Um, and then we had, like, pros showing up. I was like, why are these guys... I don't understand why they'd come down here for that small check and then like realize that they don't even make half of that for winning a FD event. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's eye opening. Like I understand now why they are here, but it, it does kind of, like you said, hopefully it will push bigger sponsors to support FD so that that payout can get bigger and like more drivers will start going to FD again. I mean, I know, like, pro, pro two, pro spec. There's always a just an abundance of drivers, but I'd like to see more people try and get into pro one, um, like battling for that top thirty two spot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, where 
where it's like we have 32 people and that's it or we have 28 people and that's it i think it would be cool to see new people try and come in um and have to qualify to get in like they do in pro spec or pro 2 yeah i think i think nascar took a while too if i'm not mistaken to actually get people paid decently um i don't know the whole ins and outs of that though so but i remember hearing something about it that took a while before they started like making decent money for what like in the winnings and stuff like that. But beforehand, I believe yeah. all your money had to come from sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that same thing. I don't remember where I heard it from. I think it was a podcast from, was it from you? Did you interview somebody that was talking about that or was it Max Driftcast? Or? Uh, I think we heard it from the same place. So we're going to call it, we're going to say maybe Maximum Driftcast. Yeah. Um, I, dude, I was I like, think Paco knows. I might have to ask him. Maybe I'll just shoot him a message. I think he would know. Um, yeah. But we'll see how that works out. Hopefully it does push because I do think that these drivers deserve to get paid. Um, but then again, it couldn't have been like FD's priority at a certain time, but maybe it's time. Series is what? Yeah. Going to be 18, 19 years old this year? It's going to be 18 or 19 what? The series is, I mean, Formula Drift itself is going to be, what, like 18 or 19 this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. might be the time. 2004 was the first year, I think? Yeah. So, 18? So, it's still pretty, still pretty young sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, the payout series that you're going to be doing, is that in Tennessee, or is that just kind of, like, close to you, Tennessee? Yeah, so I think the majority of the events will be at Nashville Super Speedway, mm-hmm. um, which is it's a pretty fun track. They there's like an infield. It's a it's an oval track, but there's an infield layout that we ran it in Pro Am in 2019, and it used to be like a fun day track. But um, this time this year, they're they're going to flip the track around and run it a different way, um, which makes the track completely different. Um, so they're going to run there, and then I guess depending on how many events they're going to be allowed to do there, they might run some up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, and then also there's talk of maybe one or two being here in Knoxville. So it'll be within – I think the, the longest we'll have to drive to one of those will be like four hours. That's not bad. And then – payout is going to be at least for the first year it's said to be six grand for the winner and then i can't remember what the i think it's six grand and then 2500 a thousand they're paying to top four i think so but their goal is to obviously bump up the pre- the prize money as the years go on but they figured that would be a good place to start Um, how was the clutch kickers last year for you? It's an awesome series. Um, I, if anybody were to ask me if they, if, if I thought it was a good idea to go, I would say definitely. Um, obviously we never won. We never placed a podium, but we did get two top 16s mm-hmm. and we got paid 400 bucks each time we hit a top 16 so we got our entry fee back but um 
it's not really we were obviously happy that we could possibly make money doing it but it was the experience for us like you how often do you get to go and run doors with pro drivers and your car be i won't say equivalent but the track kind of became the equalizer for cars so you could have an 800 horsepower 900 horsepower car that's just blowing the smoke but you can have a 400 horsepower car that's moving just as fast as he is because it's such a tight track so the experience that we had being able to drive with those guys and i feel like we came out of the season a 10 times better driver um and obviously their programs are much more professional than ours so we get to see how their programs work um but also the series as a whole the way they run everything is so like i won't say to the t but they know what they're doing when they are doing these events, like everything was very, everybody was very professional the way that they handled, handled, uh, even from, from front gate when you first got there to when you left, like you felt like you were a part of the clutch kickers family. Um, you never were, I mean, obviously some people were disappointed at calls, but the judging I feel was very fair. Um, they took their time when needed to judge calls like they, at some time, like we would sit there at the the paddock waiting for a call for ten minutes because we were they were being very precise on their judging. So I really appreciated that. Um, and I, I mean, it was all overall a, a great experience. I mean, it was fun driving, a great track, great people, and you get a chance to win some huge money. So. I think it was worth it. It was, it's expensive for us, but uh, well, expensive for a lot of people, but it was more than we wanted to pay for a season, but it was well worth it. Yeah. I, I really wanted to go next year, but, um, yeah, next year, sorry, not this year. This year I thought about it, but then I was like, no, there's no way I'll be able to make it with the trajectory I'm on right now. But next year it looks a lot better. At least one round. I'd like to do the whole season if I can, and just kind of like leave a truck and trailer out there. Yeah. So the the funny thing with that whole deal, uh, we ran the whole season, but um, so pro am was not a thing for twenty twenty one. There wasn't any local competition series. So the only thing that popped up was clutch kickers and we're in the middle of a rebuild on my car. So the engine was out. We had no engine. We were building the LS doing the swap stuff. And when clutch kickers released the schedule, they released, you can go ahead and pay for your season pass or pay round by round. But the stipulations were, if you, if you pay all up front for a season pass, you get put into the runnings for the championship so at the end of the season if you place top five you basically get you could get an extra ten thousand you could get an extra five thousand or twenty five hundred or a thousand so we were like well we're going up against pros but it doesn't make sense to put ourselves out so we went ahead and committed to all five rounds we didn't even have a car that ran we didn't even have a car put together 
until the week of round one. So like we dynoed on a Monday and left that that Friday to go down to clutch kickers. So we weren't really expecting to do it, mm-hmm. but it was the only thing that we could do. So we pulled the trigger on the season and we had to do it. So that was really, I think that was the, that was the only reason why we did all five rounds. I mean, we stretched ourselves thin as far as budget goes and we actually went way over budget, including the engine swap, but it was fun. Uh, would you do clutch hookers again? Yeah. I think if, uh, honestly, I think that if, if we didn't have the pro-am stuff that we were going to focus on this year mm-hmm. and the, and that local series wasn't happening, I would probably do this season as well. It sucks because it was only a seven hour drive. I say only, that's kind of a long drive, but it was a seven hour drive from us, um, to get there at each round. So it wasn't that bad. We could leave like, and they're an hour behind us. So, uh, we could leave my house at like six or seven in the morning and we could get there a little after lunch, maybe two o'clock, three o'clock if we were taking our time. And then, um, obviously we'd need the Monday after to come back, but now it's like 13 hours from us. So running all five rounds, I don't think I could make it happen with time reasons like time off work. Yeah. Um, and also expecting my crew to come down there, like take time off work for them. Like if I could fly everybody down there, if I had the money to fly everybody down there and pick them up from the airport and all that, that would probably be a little bit better. But I feel like I would probably have to do the same for myself, like leave the car down in Florida and just pay somebody to work on it down there, like do a tune up in between rounds and fly down myself in order to make it work. Cause I don't think that I could make it work with my work schedule and logistics for everyone else, but at least not with the series that we're doing now. If if it wasn't for the ProM series, I think we could make it work. But um, with the ProM stuff, it kind of makes everything a little different. Yeah, I hear you. Like the only way I'd be able to make it work is if I were able to fly in and out. I wouldn't be able to take any crew though. I wouldn't be able to afford that part. Um, Shoot, man, give me a call. That would, go down. That's <laughs> that would be the downside was not not being able to afford any crew. I'd figure I'd make a friend out there or something, and then that's hopefully long, get a little a help. Haul for you, isn't it? But it would never be expected. What's that? That's a pretty long haul for you, isn't it? Like forty hours. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind driving there. Like the first, you know, getting there. The just getting there. And then, you know, for the first round, and then just finding somewhere to park it in between rounds and then driving it back when the season was over. That was kind of the idea. And then flying in and out, uh, it would just have to be me by myself. Like, I wouldn't be able to afford to, like, take anybody with me because that's, what, several hundred dollars on tickets and food. Um, You know, I'll sleep in my damn truck while I'm there. You know, if I take somebody else, you got to get a hotel type situation. Yeah. I guess it all depends on how bad you really want to do it. It's expensive, man. I mean. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, it would probably be. Well, I say that, but plane tickets probably would be 
I was going to say it probably would be a lot more, a lot cheaper if you did leave your car there or your truck and trailer and everything there. Yeah, you might pay a storage fee, but the gas that you would use getting there and back, mm-hmm. that would be insane. Yeah, that would, I think that would cost, it would probably cost me more money on a round trip than it would to just pay for the storage fees for six months. Yeah. Yep, I, I could see that easily. Yeah, so, it, yeah. Does it cost me, let's see, for a seven-hour drive, um, well, yeah, it cost me, let's see, I filled up three times to get down there and three times coming back. So you say, we'll just say 70 bucks. So two, 210 each way plus whatever fuel you use there. So we'll just say 600 bucks in fuel, five, 600 bucks in fuel alone. That's just for me. Like, Is that diesel or is seven that? Seven hour drive. That's just regular gasoline. What are you, what are you driving oh. No, I've got a GMC Sierra, fifteen hundred. What kind of trailer are you pulling? Just the open. Oh, I thought for some reason. Like a twenty twenty foot. No, I did pull an enclosed on one of our trips down there and um we work we worked with Fast Tech Motorsports, a local company here. Um they were a sponsor of ours for the year, helped us out tremendously with the car, but they lent us their enclosed for one round. Um, and that was a horrible idea. And I, I think it was mainly because the owner of the shop, it's his personal trailer and he does the drag racing and stuff. So he's got like a world record Subaru that he drag races and they go to the GTR world cup and all that stuff. They've got customers with GTRs that do that. And so he hauls their cars and his car in, the, in this trailer. So he always keeps a toolbox in the very front of it. And it's not a huge toolbox, but it probably weighs a couple thousand pounds, maybe mm-hmm. thousand pounds. So with that being on the tongue, I think that also affected the way that the trailer pulled. But the whole way down there, I was it. It was weaving in and out the entire time. Oh shit! So that was scary. I don't think I would ever do that again unless it had like those sway bars. I didn't have sway bars on the hitch. I think that could have helped a little bit, but yeah, I know you're talking about the stabilizer bars. Yeah, whatever they're called. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, Yeah, yeah, I know because I was thinking like I want to get the trailer, but it's like, do I get the truck first or do I just buy the trailer and power through it with my current truck for a little while so I can afford a bigger one? Yeah, and the truck pulled it fine. I mean, I wouldn't be scared at all to, because I, I think um, even fuel mileage, like with that enclosed weighted down like that, I mean, everything was in the back, the car, tires, tools, everything. And then we had four people in the truck mm-hmm. and we got like nine miles to a gallon. That's not terrible. With my open trailer, I get between 11 and 14. So it's really not that much different. And you you could tell that the trailer was back there, especially when it come time to stop. Mm-hmm. But for fifteen hundred, I, I think it pulled it pretty well. It's just like I said, the sway and the stopping is what was scary. 
These ones are just so expensive, though. Like I know. I thought they were gonna going to get cheaper, up. man. Yeah. What the shit? You can't buy a you can't buy a diesel. Uh, you can't find a diesel with under two hundred thousand miles for less than forty fifty grand. It's ridiculous. Yeah, depending on what year you're going for. But I was even looking at like the newer stuff. And it's like you may as well just buy brand new because it's like sixty sixty five grand. Yeah. But it's like Jesus. That new uh I've heard really good things about that new Silverado and GMC that six six gas engine that they just came out with. The six point six Yeah. So there's I guess their diesel is a six six as well, but they have a six six gas now. Oh. And I've heard really good things about that engine. That I can afford. Yeah. I mean, you can buy like a, it would be like a custom trim um, Silverado, which is not too bad, I guess. It's not like the bottom of the barrel, but um, has some luxury. But you can buy a brand new one of those with a 6.6. And I think they start at like 41 or 42. Yeah, I was looking at, like, the HD stuff. I just don't, the only thing I don't like about them is the new fucking front end on the 2500 you, at least. Like, you I don't like, like the new front end? I like the 1500 front end. I'm actually on the website right now. I really like the 15, I mean, I really like the, yeah, the 1500 front end. I love it. Actually, like, I really like the look of the Trail Boss. Um, I wish they came, they had more standard size bed beds available because I don't like the uh, short bed look. Uh, yeah. But, man, as soon as you go into the uh, the 2500, it has, like, the el- that elongated light. Um, and I guess more of a truck-looking bumper. I guess the 1500 doesn't really look – doesn't have, like, a big bumper. Uh, I just the feel like the 2500, the front of the new 2500, I feel like it just looks so mean and aggressive. It does. Uh, to me, it's a little too- – like- it looks like a big ugly fish. I don't know how to look at it like that. Uh, but yeah, I know, man. We forget how much freaking how important it is for uh, the whole truck and trailer situation, especially if you're going to be going on, like long hauls. Yeah. But some people do it in like, like you say, you were doing how long was you said seven hours towing? Yeah, it was seven, seven hours each way. Yeah. Was that an extra cab, or was that at least a, a real... Um... It's a crew cab. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, I have an extra cab, so people would be pissed if they were driving with me. <laughs> yeah, we it's a crew cab, so I guess they... I mean, even still, with the crew cab, we had it packed to the gills, because you can't really put anything on the trailer. Mm-hmm. You can't put stuff that is valuable in the bed, because if it rains, which it does quite a bit over here, in Tennessee and Florida, and so really all of our valuables were inside the truck too. So it was pretty cramped at times, but got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, that's true. What um, are you guys looking into getting an enclosed anytime soon? And if so, I would like to, but I just I don't see how we could afford it. Like. Trailers are expensive. I didn't realize how. I figured I was like, so at the beginning of last year, I was like, I want to get it enclosed. I'm sure I could find like a 24 foot enclosed 
with a V uh, a V front for four or five grand. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. Why don't they start? A- you. I remember seeing them for like eight grand a couple of years ago. Like if for out of somewhere in Georgia, like on eBay, directly from the factory, and now they're like twelve grand. If I'm not mistaken, if not more. Yeah. And I've found some cheaper ones. Like you could buy a brand spanking new Vino's, um, twenty four foot. Like it's a it's base inside, so there's no it's just plywood walls, plywood floor, but and you could find them for like five or six grand. But you look at reviews on them and they leak. They don't last long. Like they're it's like a, a three or four year trailer versus you buy these nice ones that last like the. The one that I hauled on the way down to Florida, the enclosed, it's like a 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's a 24 foot, but it's not a Vino's. It's just straight or flat on the front. And he wants, at least when he was talking about selling it, he wanted like eight for it, six or eight. And I was like, that's insane. And then you go and look at some of these trailers. You could find a, you can find like a 24 foot to 30 foot. And they're like thirty grand. Of course, it's a nice trailer, but I just can't see spending that on a trailer. Yeah, I agree. It's they seem a bit much. I wonder. They should have like racer deals for trailer companies. They should be like, if you're a race car driver, you get ten percent off. <laughs> actually uh, at the beginning of last year I uh, I hit up a trailer company to see if they wanted to do a sponsorship deal because uh-huh. um, they do a lot of that com- specific company did a, does a lot of drag racing and stuff so I thought maybe they'd be into the whole motorsport thing but they weren't very interested it was a little it was kind of a smaller dealership too so that that could be why maybe they just didn't have the budget at the time but yeah i thought about like hitting up like uh reliable um or just like one of those companies and just asking mm-hmm. for uh some type of deal to get like the card towed to like let's just say if i ever got made it to fd uh potentially towing it from event to event type situation but i don't know if they would uh go for that doesn't um so like we Corey Hosford always talks about a company that does that. What is it called? AZ Go or Go Fast AZ or something like that. What do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's like a company that he always talks about on Max Gripcast. So, like that's what they do. They they will haul your race car wherever you need it to go. I think it's called AZ Go Fast, maybe? AZ Go Fast? Go Fast AZ. Automotive transport, automotive repair, trailer rental, race car, lifestyle. Oh, okay. I guess they only do it in the Southwest. So, uh, California, Nevada, Utah, Colorado. New Mexico and Arizona.
Well, I thought I had something for you, man. Sorry. I, uh, they, I wonder if it's probably because they have to be like um, licensed in all the states, which I would assume reliable is. But they're going to be like, dude, we only transport nice cars, not your fucking piece of shit drift car that's going to be falling apart and dropping. Hey, money is money. And dropping tire dust on the nice stuff. No, I hope not. I hope they would be nicer to me than that. Um, so what's the status on your car? It runs. It drives. It's just not. It's just parked in the garage right now. I mean, I got some valve train noise. Valve train noise. I want to address, and I think I need to put an oil cooler and do something better for the the, the crankcase pressure vent venting. Um, whether it's run a vacuum for it in a through the catch can situation, so it kind of like pulls a little bit, but I really haven't decided what I'm gonna do yet. Um, but other than that, it's fine. I mean, I can go start it right now. I mean, I'll probably have to plug the battery in, but it runs and drives. I was just, I just been like, you... paying off some debt and stuff. Yeah, have you gotten to run your practice car yet? No, I literally so. I just, I finally got it um, registered and ended up having stupidest issue. It's so it sat for nine months. It had, it needed a gas pedal, um, an ECU, which I had when I first got it. And then it needed a fucking fuse was the reason, the main reason the check engine was like, was on for so long. Nice. A fuse. So. Fuse. But. It's all good now. Yeah. Sweet. So now I just need to yeah. coil overs. Like, you're gonna just kind of is it? You're gonna put a handbrake in it and all that, or just no? Uh, I'm not. So I've actually I finally got a sim set up, and I've been doing that. And I notice every time I use the handbrake, uh, I'm a lot worse at driving. So hmm. I've gotten to the point where I just decided to like leave the handbrake out for now and kind of learn to get around the track without a handbrake, at least in the practice car, not necessarily the comp car. Um, yeah. Just to kind of like hone my skills a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. I mean, obviously I'll need a handbrake eventually, but I just want to be able to be like, okay, now the car is holding me back. I got to get the handbrake or the lack yeah. of not having one is holding me back. Right. situation so we'll see how that goes cross that bridge when we get there That's yeah the deal. so is that is that car a v6 or v8 it's a v6 it's a little 220 horsepower 3500 pound car should get it done shouldn't it i think so i mean i i have uh most of the stuff for it um I think the only thing I'll absolutely need is some wheel spacers to get my wheels on. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Maybe some bushings. We'll see how it does without the bushings. And then I'll kind of go from there. Are you going to run the same wheels that's on your V? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to do... They fit in the fenders? No. I mean, the <laughs> the front wheels don't even fit on the back. They poke a little bit. I can probably roll them and get it to go away. But 
with the uh, the cut knuckles and stuff like that, I have to run the spacer anyways, because if not, I'll just end up rubbing the inside of the uh, frame rail. Yeah. So it's got a... So you can put some huh? fenders on it? Yeah, I'll do something. Uh, maybe not the same thing that the, the comp car has, but I think I want to do something a little nicer. Somebody's working on a wide-body kit for his own car, so... He said he might be making the molds for it and kind of sell them, hmm. you know, as on a um, built-to-order process. Yeah. So that might happen too, but we'll see. Hopefully that comes to fruition, but I want to see the product first before I buy something. Right. What about you? Do you ever get a practice car? Do you ever plan on getting one? Dude, I need one so bad. I got... I just... Like, I, I would want a BMW, obviously. Yeah, that makes total to sense. Try and keep things the same, but BMW E36s and E46s are going up so much. Like, if you find one that's cheap, it probably doesn't run or it's half shredded. It's just hard to find them cheap anymore. And then um, when even you do if, find them like, cheap, they're yeah, gone. Just buckets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or they're gone. <laughs> Yeah, a buddy of mine, he actually came over the other day and bought some wheels from me, and he was talking about the car that he was driving. It was an E46, like a three, I think it's a 330, maybe. Uh-huh. And I was like, where'd you get that car? And he goes, ah, some some girl was selling it. She she said that it was just on its way out, and uh, we basically just traded her like an old Lexus that we had and 300 bucks. And, or he said, my dad traded her Alexis and 300 bucks. And I asked my dad how much he wanted for it. And he said, if I gave him the 300 bucks that he shelled out or yeah, that he shelled out, I could have it. And I think it was a coil pack or plugs is why she thought it was about to die. So he's driving a E46 330 for 300 bucks. I was like, man, do you ever want to sell that car? I know how much you paid for it now. <laughs> so whenever you want to sell it, <laughs> let me know. Talk to me. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'd like to get another. I'd like to get a practice car. I really need it. I mean, it does. It would suck to not be able to drive my car at every event, but mm-hmm. the tires that you're going to save, oh, it would pay for itself. I'm also starting to think, like, I wonder how the practice car thing can work in certain regions because, like, so I live in SoCal, and like the furthest track from me, or the closest track to me, rather, is maybe, well, it'd be Irwindale, and that's a few minutes down the road. But they don't really do the, the drift nights anymore. Um, but like, the other tracks are like maybe an hour and twenty minutes to two hours away. And there's always something like almost every weekend, um, if not every other weekend. So that's kind of the reason I thought it would be beneficial here. But I don't know if that would be beneficial in other places where, like, a lot of you guys have to drive, like, four hours. Like, you can't. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a, when Easton does their stuff here, like, the fun days, uh-huh. um, the majority of their tracks, like, we have fun days, and it's 30 minutes up the road, um, or an hour up the road. Like, it's, it's not that bad, and they do one every month or every other month, so. Oh, see, that's perfect. Um, yeah, so when it comes to that, that's when having that practice car would be perfect. But 
feel like I would have to have like a two car trailer and just bring both of them and just burn off a set of tires in the comp car and then just burn off a set of tires in the practice car, which would last all day. But I would have to have a two car trailer. I couldn't not drive the comp car too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, see, I wanted to be able to drive to the track in the car and then kind of like not even worry, not even deal with it. Yeah, see, I would still be scared of doing that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. The only reason is because like I live in SoCal, so I can just like triple A the car home worst case scenario. Yeah, that was a thought behind it, but we'll see kind of what happens as we get there. Um, do you still plan on doing FD if you get your license this year? Um. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously the goal. Uh, uh-huh. I've I've been actually thinking about this a lot lately, and I want to. My goal is to become a professional driver. Uh-huh. Um, if that makes more sense in the FD circuit, um, that's what I'm going to do. But um, on, honestly, like just traveling around and competing with people um, and seeing parts of the, the U.S. is what I want to do. I want to travel, drive, and have fun. And I want to do the FD thing because I want to, be a high caliber driver and drive with the high caliber people but honestly it's wherever life takes me that's where i'm gonna go um so i have my goal set as fd but um obviously it and nowadays especially it's very expensive um you have to have a lot of backing um or a great job so it's it's definitely where we want to go. It's just we gotta we gotta figure out how to make it happen budget wise when we get there. But um, I definitely think I can definitely see us doing pro spec mm-hmm. and running a season of that or two or three until we feel that we're we would be ready to move up. And I I'm I'm saying this in hopes that well, when we do that we will open up avenues that we haven't seen for backing that would allow us to move up to pro go one. So I think it, I think it's all the process and I think that it's designed that way for that reason. Um, but just, it's hard to think about right now. Like that's where my mind is, but I don't know how much they spend every year, the pro one guys, Mm -hmm. but I know that right now with my budget, I couldn't afford it. So, that's why it's kind of hard for me to say which way I'm going to go, but I'm going to do everything I can to get there. No, that makes sense. But it also depends on like what your program setup is like too. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of those guys like have their friends helping them out. And then some guys have like a full, like a full team that's yeah. there. And I feel like that's where it gets really expensive. Um, I yeah. think that's when you need to like really yeah, be think, pulling money so, in. This past year, when we did all the clutch kickers, uh-huh. um, I had three to four guys that went down with us every time, and they know that I'm like putting every dollar into this, and they were willing to come down and help just out of the goodness of their hearts. They're good friends, um, and I'm appreciative. I, I paid for their rooms, mm-hmm. I paid for their food, and most of the time, you know, I tried to do. I paid for their way in, which was at clutch kickers is not it's not cheap to get in for the weekend. So I mean, oh, we, really? we paid the, the, yeah, I mean, 
I think for a weekend pass per person, it's like 35 bucks. And we had me, my wife, three or four people. And then sometimes they would bring their significant other, which we would obviously pay for them too. Mm -hmm. Um, we want everybody to come out and have fun. So, um, and then we would pay for the hotel and, um, but all that to say, like if, if I were to do the pro route, even prospect, like I would only feel it fair and I would feel better if I could pay them. So I see what you're saying there. Like they do, I'm sure a lot, almost everybody in the pro world pays their guys and I would have to do that. So that's another thing that you have to add to your budget. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whether it, even if it's just a little bit like 200, $300 a weekend, it's per person. And then you got to get them there. You got to pay for them to stay. Like it just adds up. Yeah. I even thought about like doing it to where, well, ideally I'd be able to pay like, someone like uh, Nate from Bink Industries to come out and be a part of the team for the weekend. Um, like He's a person that has like a lot of experience with FD mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, and he's been on the podcast before too, and I even actually like asked him on like, personally, like, hey, is this something you offer? And he's like, yeah. But, you know, yeah. those guys kind of like have like a flat rate for the weekend. They're like, Hey, you have to pay me X amount of dollars. You have to pay my entry fees, all that fun stuff, like the hard card and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and they obviously need to make money while they're there. That seems doable. Like, let's just say you did it like that with one person. Uh, then it's kind of like, at least you kind of have it sort of like, Oh, I'm not sure how much, um, taking this person or this person will cost because you already have an agreement with the said person. Right. Yeah. I guess it all depends on how much they, they cost. I mean, I, I'm sure some of those guys charge three, five, maybe $600 a day plus expenses. So mm-hmm. that could get pretty, pretty pricey too. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, let's just say it's an extra $1,500 to two grand a person for weekend. I mean, depending on how you're getting your sponsorship stuff, that would be worth it. Yeah. Yep. I guess if it if it all adds up to to that much, then yeah, it it would kind of make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> it gets expensive, but it's so fun. Like, Dude. how can you not do it? Yeah, that's the kicker. It's like. Yeah. There's no reason not to. Um, what would be if you didn't have like the E36? What would be your ultimate drift build? With something of car you really love, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to drift. Or I, I have my eyes set, and I don't know if it's. I think it would be a good choice, but I've been listening to people talk about it that I guess the E46 was kind of the the end of the trailing arm style that BMW had Mm -hmm. Um, now they've kind of moved on to something else but I would like to build an F22 um, like a 2 series oh okay so keeping the BMW 
Oh yeah, I got. I've got to stick to it. It, it may not have a BMW power plant, but I have to stick with the BMW body. Uh, there's just no way I can't. <laughs> That's just who I am. Like I, I like my BMW stuff, and um, I think it would have to be a BMW, whether it be a E46, E92, or like I said, I'd really like to do an F22. That'd be dope. Uh, would you do like the HGK yeah. stuff, or would you? Uh... Yeah, it, the HGK, the Eurofighter stuff looks sick. I know it does. It looks amazing. It, it makes that card look completely different. It looks so big and muscular with the HGK stuff on it. So yeah, H. I would definitely have to hit HGK, HGK up and. Yeah, those things, stuff. those things look neat. I really like the E90 on them. Uh, I wish... Wait. Is it the E92 or the E90? E92. Okay. E90 is the four-door. That's what I thought. And then I really wish yeah. they made like an E90. I haven't seen anybody really do an E90 yet. Because I really like the four-door yeah. now. I'm, I'm kind of shocked too because I think the Nofa was running a four-door E46 for a while. He was. And then... There was another Pro 2 driver a couple of years ago that was running a four-door E46. I think it was supercharged. What was that guy's name? AJ Muss? I don't Muss? remember. Who? AJ Muss? That pronounce his name wrong? I know he has a... I know he has a... Sedan. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that might be who it is. But... If I'm not mistaken, it was like a blue color. Yeah. Yeah. Conte Wills? Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm I never even thought about it until you just said that, but yeah, you don't ever see any E nineties. I mean I've seen like a handful, but no, I haven't seen like like a competition car yet. Yeah. And obviously there's there's quite a few like sedan E thirty sixes and E forty sixes that are comp cars, which arguably are a little bit um Easier to work on, like when you got to do shit in the back. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it is a little bit harder to get in and out of. Dude, yeah, that's a bitch. I remember, like, I used to stick my son back there if I had to do anything, and he was like six at the <laughs> time, so he wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. What are your goals for this year? Um, goals for this year is drive as much as we can mm-hmm. um obviously in drifting you can't guarantee a win mm-hmm. but i would like to at least podium every event this year if not win uh, i think clutch kickers really helped our confidence and helped us as a drive helped me as a driver mm-hmm. so i think i have what it takes to podium if not win every event um so our goal is to podium and get as much seat time as we can this year. Um, with budget last year, really, we didn't really get to, we didn't get to do a whole lot of fun days. So it was almost strictly clutch kickers. So I would like to drive more this year. Um, my wife and I were actually talking about that earlier. Um, I know like Rome and all of them, I think he said one year he drove like 72 to 72 days 
And I was like, how in the world do you drive 72 days? Like that's twice a week or once, once a week, sometimes twice a week. And I may not be able to do 72 days this year, <laughs> but I would like to get a lot more seat time this year because obviously it helps. But yeah, how many days would you say? Would you say yeah? How many days would you say you got last year? I would say we drove. Let's see, we probably drove. Maybe. 20 days. Mm. Yeah, because the college kicker stuff was, we practiced Friday, Saturday, and then we had comp Sunday. So that was pretty much three days there per round, five rounds. And then we had three or four fun days that we did. A couple other random events. demos okay yeah i'd say 20 days that's good though that's yeah start average of uh, I mean, a little bit more than twice a month yeah what when you first started driving how many days would you say you got that year when i first started driving yeah uh i probably drove once every other month once a month maybe so between I would say between 8 and 12 times that's not terrible I wish I got more seat time too but that was like you take three sets of tires and you might burn through one so (laughs) much different than if I was doing that now I could probably drive that 72 days (laughs) but now it's Every time you go to the track, you blow through eight tires, ten tires. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's where it gets real expensive. The so. last event we went to this year, we we ran through fourteen tires. Oh, shit, I actually got some yeah. of those tires coming in this Friday. You've got tires coming in. Those ones, the the accelerators. Yep. Sweet. Finally, give them a, the old college try. I think you're gonna like them, man. I think you, did you go with the 651 Sports? Yeah, yeah I got it for the comp rate? car. Okay. I figure that if I ever like did the the street car thing, I'll probably just throw the uh, what is it, PH, whatever they are. PHI. Yeah, I'll probably just throw those on. But it's just easier to kind of like source them from one place than to kind of like worry about where I'm gonna get tires next. It seems to be. Um, yeah. You know, with all the laws that changed recently. It was kind of an issue getting tires, so I'd rather just stick with one person or one company. Yeah. Yep, I think you'll like them. I've, I like them. I mean, they've... You've been on them for a few years now, though, right? Yeah, we... Let's see. We bought our first set at the end of... Or at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, three years. There you go. Well, alrighty, man. I think I'm going to call it there. Got a few things to take care of tonight. Um, okay. Appreciate you coming back on, and you just—you guys just had a baby, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, man. He is. 
little over two weeks old. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. That's uh you're you're a father, you know what it's like. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it is a life changing <laughs> experience. Um It it has been already for sure. Yeah, it, it it's fun, man. I love it. It's probably my favorite thing. I mean Yeah, it's I like racing more because racing doesn't uh, really talk back to awesome. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, ours doesn't talk back yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Wait until you hear your first no. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, again, good luck this year, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, how can people find you? Uh, so you can, my social media stuff, uh, Instagram is at TylerBerry238. Um, you can find my YouTube channel if you, uh, youtube.com forward slash TV drifting. Uh, and then Facebook, if you just find Tyler Berry or Tyler Berry drifting. You'll find me. Awesome. All righty, man. You have a good night. All right, man. I appreciate it. Right. You Bye-bye. too. See you.